what's up it's your girl jess just be real and welcome back for another episode of just be real podcast i really switched up this dynamic for this episode today so y'all bear with me enough of me chatting let's get real all right so another week and y'all are lucky because this is a back-to-back i haven't done one of these in like forever like i haven't been this consistent on the airwaves probably since I originally started and we know my baby started in May so I guess I just feel like I have a lot of time um or I just wanted to give y'all more content which clearly must be the case because y'all are fan bam duh but I hope y'all had a great week um this week I'm gonna say this to start it off though bomb week um a lot of black excellence can't even talk a lot of black excellence got represented this week which is pretty dope um i'm not sure if many people may know because now i don't assume all of my listeners are african-american or all my listeners who are african-american or my black people who are such understand the concept and dynamic of greek life so what i was going to say is pretty much saying that this week normally is a week of black excellence that's celebrated I will say, as I said on our ap- episode last week, show the girl some love on Wednesday if you want to show her some love because my illustrious sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, was definitely celebrated for 108 years of scholarship, sisterhood, and service. Um, so it was a day of going up. Uh, then, you know, you get that little break on the 14th for everybody to prepare for the what they say the first and the finest which are the lovely ladies of alpha kappa alpha sorority incorporated um they celebrated 113 years um of their organization and then the last one to kick off the week and ended saturday which is pretty cool because i honestly feel like it's dope um with the um zealous and zesty ladies of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. I know my friends always laugh at me because I say Zeta. Um, I've been trained <laughs> by the home team. Shout out to the home team, Unruly Epsilon, Epsilon Chapter, um, to say Zeta, not Zeta. So I'm sorry, it's just automatic for me. But they kicked off 101 years of their beautiful sorority. Um, so that's pretty dope. Their centennial low-key got snatched from them last year because of this panoramic. So it was kind of dope to see them kind of, you know, still take over and flood timelines here and there um, in their blue and white. So that was pretty dope. Um, I think this year was pretty dope for a particular reason that with these black women being celebrated in their orgs, for whatever 22 in Delta, the 22 founders in Delta, the 20 founders in Alpha Kappa Alpha, the, you know, five founders in Zeta. It was, it's pretty dope to know that, you know, given we all share the week, but it's still all a sisterhood. It's still all sister Greeks. We still all show so much love. And I think that's just the best part about it is black women uplifting black women and actually coming to coming together as a cohesive to just celebrate each other. I mean, given we do it probably on a regular day, but those are the times when you just really shine and just have pride to wear your letters. And I think for myself and probably anybody out there who's in a sorority, um, or in these three sororities probably just felt that sense of pride to say, hey, I'm a part of this and I get to be a part of this sisterhood, um, whether it be in whatever or we still all come together as a collective because we're still all divine nine. So that it's just dope. 
Um, we do have our little jokes and banter, but it's, it was just good to see everybody just step out. Even with this, it was like, okay, sis, I see you. Like, I mean, this is like, you know, black girls, they don't, we don't compliment like, oh girl, you look nice today. It's like, yes, polka dots. Yes. Letters. Yes. Okay. Yes. Blue tees. Okay. Yes. Hair flip. Like we're on that type of time. So it's, it's pretty dope. It's pretty cool. So shout out to everybody who celebrated a founder's day this week. It was pretty cool. Cause I know Wednesday was normally Women Crush Wednesday, so why wasn't that amazing to have us fall on a Wednesday? Um, the K's fell on a Friday, fabulous Friday, you know, great way to kick off the weekend. And, you know, you got Sassy Saturday, which is a real day to celebrate for the Zeta. So it was like, all right, so everybody just come through stepping on next, okay? Step on these next, honey. Let them know what we about, okay? So that's something I just wanted to acknowledge and bring, you know, some light to because it's a positive thing, like... It's a pretty positive thing and a dope thing, which also helps me into the um, segue of what today's episode is. It's called Imposter Who. Um, And you're probably like, well, what the hell does imposters have to do with you talking about sororities and black excellence? Well, unfortunately, um, it didn't come to my attention to as of lately that some of us or a lot of us women fall victim to imposter syndrome. And it's crazy because I've seen it on my pod, not on my podcast, I've seen it on my timeline on Twitter faithfully all week. And I want y'all to know I had a whole different podcast episode. I think this is the greatest thing about having your own podcast. You can switch it up when you want to um, because it's your podcast. I had a whole nother topic I wanted to discuss with y'all today, like a whole nother topic. But I just might just say for y'all next week or the week after, who really knows? Um, But I think... Imposter syndrome is something I've seen a lot on my timeline by a lot of my sorors um, that I follow. And it really didn't come to my attention fully until my cousin sent me a, uh, I guess you could say a meme that pretty much spoke on it um, in my charts. Whenever I, you know, because my cousin's my good witch. So whenever I say a good witch, just know I'm talking to my, about my cousin. And that's the famous cousin I talk about all the time, which would be my cousin Keisha. Um, <laughs> Keisha is my good witch. So she normally talks about charts, uh, you know, which, you know, the alignment where everything falls and what houses. And, you know, me having Leo in my chart, which is my ascendant and Virgo as my son. I mean, you probably some of y'all don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Um... I have a Virgo sun, a Leo ascendant, which is my rising, and a Scorpio moon. Now, to some, that's probably like, damn, red flags, run, go away from her. <laughs> but to others, it's like, wow, she's headstrong. She's real dominant. She's she's really not one to play games. I'm not. Um, given the fact already within itself, Scorpio and Virgo, to me, used to be the same sign. They just kind of derivatives of each other and they kind of branched off, which is kind of why the signs look similar. Uh, but I think it's just safe to say that I have an Earth Sun, which is my Virgo, which is, of course, you know, I was born in August. Uh, my Leo, which is literally my lioness, which is my real I'm going to go get it type attitude, which is happens to be the um, <clears throat> fire in me. And my moon, which is Scorpio, which happens to be the uh, water um, sign. So that's a lot. Think about that. Earth, fire, and water. I'm a chick that's like, there's not much you're really going to try to get past me um, emotionally, mentally, or physically. <laughs> but um, yeah, she just sent me some information in regards to Leo and Virgo in my chart. And it was in regards to imposter syndrome. And it's crazy that there's a lot of things we don't talk about that we probably go through and experience daily in our lives that 
we don't even know that's what it is. So I'm not going to hold y'all. Um, imposter syndrome came up a lot for me the whole time. I didn't realize I was experiencing it. And it's like, oh, there's a name for this. So it's kind of crazy. Like, yeah. So I'm like to myself sitting here when I, I'm reading through this and I'm like, damn, girl, like a lot of this speaks on you. And I think that's 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 like for me, it's invigorating because it's like I'm learning which everybody should be learning. I feel like life is a lesson. Every day is a classroom. Like you're going to be in the classroom learning something different about yourself or in general different about others. But it's just to me like, damn, like do you really have to sit back and really think? Because like, again, that and the other topic I'm going to talk about next week, probably or the week after we will see. Um, it's like you really there's not topics that are really discussed in the black culture for one and they're not discussed because they're kind of swept under the rug because there's another conversation I also had on Twitter with some random strangers um about that literally kept coming up too as well that one of my best friends put me on and I'm not going to give y'all too much because I'm going to keep y'all suspenseful I don't want y'all to get a little too much be like Jess what you're talking yeah I'm gonna keep you in, in inquiring yeah uh-huh but um I'll be back to that one but nonetheless imposter syndrome and that topic, other topic, have been like heavy in rotation for me. I've been seeing nonstop. So I'm like, yo, I got to talk. This must be a sign to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about it. So welcome back to that one. But imposter syndrome is real out here. And what I will say is imposter who. And I say that because, you know, if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, I have no problem explaining it right now because I'm going to jump into it and let you know. So um, this is when people who struggle with imposter syndrome believe that they are undeserving of their achievements and high esteem in which they are, in fact, generally held. They feel that they aren't as competent or intelligent as others may think, and they soon enough people will discover the truth about them. Those who imposter syndrome are often well accomplished and they may hold high office or high numerous academic degrees. Yeah, we're going to just let that sit and marinate, not mar- not even marinate, marinate, because this is something I struggled with pretty much my whole life. Um, and I didn't know it was imposter syndrome until literally as of this week, <laughs> this is what I was suffering from. Um, you know, it's hard to understand why people feel there's sometimes imposter syndrome and pretty much it's like you're feeling like you're a fraud you know what I'm saying like you know how they always tell you like fake it till you make it um you just you know gotta go for it and it's also where I seen a tweet too with one of my uh fellow black queens said like I'm not about to fake it till I make it because I'm not one that kisses ass and that's me too so it's like whatever I got I know I earned but it's just like when I finally got there it's whatever so like let me say for for instance my new position I got with my my new company I deserve my position. I've been fighting hard over these last nine years, because I'm going to count 2021, even though we just started. 2021, these last nine years, to get where exactly I'm at to deserve in my career. Okay? I've got my bachelor's in accounting in 2012 from Delaware State University. I have gotten my master's in accounting from Wilmington University in 2017. Now, I'm going to tell you all this. Yes, there is a gap. Um... I don't know if I ever told y'all background story, but I'm going to give y'all a little background on why there's such a gap. Given it doesn't matter because as long as I got it done, but I'm going I'm to tell y'all anyway because y'all fan been and I rock with y'all. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I graduated in 2012. I did get my degree in four years, um, especially because in accounting seat, uh, accountancy, 
in the college of business, um, especially not common to have somebody graduate in four years. Normally it takes five for your bachelor's. And some people do do extended program where they do the five-year program and count and throw in that extra year of their MBA to get that master's or whatever in accountancy to just, you know, throw that on there just to get it all done and out the way. I, for one, was not that person. Um, I did my four years. I had a lot of people in my courses who were like in their fifth or sixth year because, you know, once you get into those senior years or that junior year of your, you know, academic career in college for your undergrad, I'm not even going to say for your bachelor's, well, pretty much for your bachelor's, for undergrad, that's when you start getting into your more focus-specific courses for your degree. So a lot of things are just offered within certain semesters, like, you know, cost accounting is only offered in the spring, but it's not offered in the fall. So if you fail it in the spring, you got to pretty much wait until that following spring to take it over. And I think this is a common concept for a lot of courses when you get into your, you know, your core courses because it's like your parents are like, yo, you got it or you're telling yourself, like you got to go ahead and go for the goal. Now, Jackie happened to be my uh, motivator. Um, And let me also remind you, which I know I said before, I was online for Delta my junior year, which is literally when shit started hitting the fan. Um, I was literally, I'm still trying to wonder how I got a 3.0. I'm not going to ask, but say it's nothing but the grace of God. I got it. But <clears throat> this is at the time where it was like, damn, you trying to be online for Delta and you're still trying to do your core classes. Accounting is not easy. I will tell y'all this. A lot of people take accounting as pretty much as a prerequisite course, like accounting one or accounting two, and they normally fail, but it's not their major. So it doesn't really matter. So imagine a motherfucker's failing and it ain't even a real major and you over here busting your butt, and now you have to use this as a prerequisite for you to get into intermediate accounting, which is intermediate is a prerequisite for advanced accounting. And I think for me, I was in the intermediate phase, which I had a jerk of a professor, Dr. Anakwe. Yes, I will never forget that hoe, because that woman gave me hell, where I literally had to bust my behind, because Jackie made it clear, after four years, you're on your own, sis. <laughs> Uh, no, I had to bust my behind and take summer classes just to make up because she failed me to later turn that grade around and have it appealed to be the exact grade I had when I deserved it. And I already had got an A when I took the class freaking over. You want to talk about somebody pissed just for me to graduate on time? So I graduated within, on 2000, I got to Del State in 08, graduated in the 12. And I was like, yo, I want to just go straight into my career. Now, this is where I felt like, I probably didn't know imposter syndrome was possible, but I was really overly confident. And I think that's another thing, too. Like, we bite off more than we can chew. We feel like we're deserving of something, but there's not no work that's been put in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a degree now. Like, I have that one bachelor's degree. Yeah, I did my, you know, my internships with accounting firms and, you know, over the summer and did, like, you know, stuff that did with money. But it was not nothing where it was like, okay, girl, we're going to sit here and give you an accounting job off rip where you have that much experience and we're going to just trust you to throw you into the field. And I think that's part of something where you have to earn your stripes, as they would say. So I'm thinking to myself, like, I got a bachelor's degree. Like, I deserve this. Like, I deserve that. Like, I deserve to be put into my field because I'm smart enough and I graduated with this degree and I did this. Girl, bye. I had to check myself. Like, And the, you want to know what's checking my, my, my reality check was? Yeah, I really want to know what that was. My reality check was the job I got. Now, don't hold me. A lot of people don't get a decent job straight out of college. My first job was at Capital One. 
360, which was at the time ING Direct, which is an online banking app, a completely straight online bank. Like there was no brick and mortar. It's a straight online bank. So I was in customer service for sales and service. That was my humbling experience. Yes, I'm dealing with money, but girl, you're just like a regular bank teller would be if you was in a brick and mortar. Like you're not, you're not nothing special because you don't need a degree to be able to get here. So that was my humbling experience. Like, okay, bitch, you're cute, (laughs) but you're not there. So that to me was kind of like a failure. I felt like I was not doing myself this the service I desired or the service given my, I guess, let me reword that. I was not giving myself the credit I deserve by working at where I was working because I'm working with people who don't even have degrees and none of this stuff and they can just apply and work here too. Not to mention, because now I'm going to be transparent about it because I feel like there might be somebody out there who's fresh out of college, who might be an accounting major, who might be a nursing, you know what I'm saying, in the nursing field. But honestly, I feel like I can't really speak on that because I feel like you got to pass your, you got to pass your, I want to say there's a certain test you got to pass to become a registered nurse. So you have to have that. And sometimes you don't go directly. I feel like you get into the field, but I feel like it's not as easy as it looks because I think the people I've watched have just been very tenacious and really put that much effort and work because there's a passion into nursing for them to be able to like get the jobs they deserve. So I can't speak on that. But when it comes to like engineers and all that stuff, like it's not something that you're going to automatically start from the top. You got to start from the bottom. And I think that's something that's just like, well, what the hell? Like, why I got stuff from the bottom? I got the degrees. But then you got to think about it, too, that there's also people who have been in those areas where back in the day, they didn't really need the degree. So now we're the generation who's coming in, who's getting these degrees. And to them, it's like a high school diploma. But you have people who have seniority who've been in these positions for like 30 something years, but they started in this position. And it's like, I'm not about to sit here and do what they doing. And they're not even fucking qualified to do what they doing. I'm trying not to curse as much guys. I'm trying to, you know, ret- ret- refrain, you know, cause I know sometimes I'd be dropping bombs and you know, I'm going be like, that is not ladylike, but you know, that's just me. Like, that's just how I talk. I can't help it. I'm from New York. Like, come on now. Anyway. But, um, I feel like it's something that you just be like, yo, why am I, why am I here? Like I deserve better. And I think that's where it was working for Cap One. It was like, ah, why am I here? I deserve better. So that was my first job. I was only getting paid $32,500 a year. Mind you, I was driving an hour, two hours a day, an hour from, because it's a, mind you, I was still living in Dover. So I was not far. Yeah, guys, that's another thing. Segway. <laughs> Sorry, gotta say this. I was not trying to let college life go. Like, I literally lived down the street from the university and still trying to be in the mix as if I didn't graduate. And I know I'm not the only one. You know, a lot of y'all did it too, because I know a lot of y'all was living in my apartment complex, who was kind of like, I still wanted a touch of feeling like I was still young, even though I was pretty much an adult at this point. So I still lived down the street and I was not trying to let college life go. I wasn't ready to part that way. And I also had a roommate, which happened to be an ex-best friend um, that I lived with, which was a confirmation. I don't need to live with anybody unless I'm married because humans are filthy, <laughs> period. Um, <laughs> so that's what that was. And I was not trying to let party life go, but I wanted to have the adult money, but still over here living like a, pretty much a child. So I'm like, technically I was where I was supposed to be. Maybe that that was the salary I deserved. And I was just like, you know what? At the time, I didn't feel like deserved it. Like, what? Me? I have a degree over these people. Like, I should be getting paid more. And that wasn't the case. So that was, excuse me, that was humbling. Then to step into 
my next job. I just want y'all to know I have a pattern of <laughs> saying that jobs no more than two and a half years because that's when I kind of know when, if they fit me for me to have my growth. And if I don't, I leave. But I don't be trying to have the purpose, that person that has so many repetitive patterns. So that's kind of where I was at with that. Um, and this also goes into the reason why there's a whole five-year gap between my undergrad and my grad school of, you know, degree. So I literally was working for them two and a half years. I left to go to J.P. Morgan. Now, J.P. Morgan, that, that's a whole monster in itself. I'm not even going to say nothing else. If you've ever worked for J.P. Morgan Chase or if you currently work for J.P. Morgan Chase, you know how demanding that job is. And yeah, if you're non-exempt, it's 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 ridiculous. Like the money's nice, but your sanity isn't worth the worth the mental mental anguish. So for me, it was more so of okay, I'm now stepping up into the big leagues, but I was still not getting paid that much. So I'm like, what the heck is this? I'm like, oh nah, like, and you would think with J.P. Morgan, I was having there was people who were like, pretty much, not even project analysts, but kind of like semi externs that were getting paid way more than me and like it was like girl you're not even having a degree in this so why are you and we know they were transparent so you know they was getting more than me off the rip but when shorty told me her salary i was like you're getting paid this and i'm getting paid this twenty thousand dollars less than you and you don't even have a degree yet and you're still in school yeah wasn't a fit so i'm just like okay that was another knock and a peg of reality check and i'm like you know what um, at this point where I'm working at JP Morgan, I started my master's, which was in 2014. Shout out to Dayana Campbell, which is a, you know, one of my old coworkers who was literally going to Wilmu to do her master's. And I was like, you know what? I need to step my cookies up. So I'm thinking with JP Morgan, the reason why I got the job, honestly, because when he was a fellow HBCU, uh, um, you know, graduate, he, even though he's our arch rival, Morgan State, <laughs> but, um, he was like, now nah, I'm gonna give you a chance because I feel like I need to look out. We need to look out more for our people. Now that's one thing I can say. If there's an HBCU graduate or somebody who's been through the struggle, who understands how much we get discredited for our degrees because we go to predominantly black school, they're gonna look out for you. The same way it was looked out for me because one of my sororors happens to be his senior, his actual boss who looked out for me as well when she seen my resume and was like, nah, we gotta get her in here. And literally, this is, again, why I say black excellence is a great thing to be celebrated this week because my letters sometimes get me in an area or spaces that I didn't think I, I probably wouldn't be able to get into to be able to network. It's like they say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I feel like that gave me the opportunity to put that on my resume because it looks good because it's a Fortune 500 company. Pretty much saying I work for a prestigious, you know, top one of the top banks in the country, which is like pretty much internationally in the world. So that that was dope for me. And I was just like, you know what? I got to do better. I feel like I don't deserve this chump change. I don't feel that I deserve this weird pay. And I'm an overachiever. I ain't even going to hold you. I'm a perfectionist. I'm going to, and it might not just be a Virgo thing, but I think it kind of is. It's an earth sign thing. I'm a perfectionist. I like to make sure I'm putting my best foot forward to do the best I can in whatever I'm doing. So I'm like, you know what? Go ahead and go for this master's, go, go for this master's degree. Like it's not gonna hurt. All it's gonna do is help you and promote you to make you be better and be more marketable as a person to be able to be an asset to whatever company you go to. And I think that was part of the reason why, because I had just enrolled in 2014 that fall in September. 
and took my little two years off. And literally, it's supposed to be a one-year program. But when you're working full-time and, you know what I'm saying, you still have bills to pay because you still have your own livelihood. Because let's remember, I'm from New York. I graduated from Delaware and I stayed in Delaware, which therefore means there's no family for me in Delaware. I'm just familiar with it because I was out here long enough and I know enough ways to maneuver to survive out here on my own. So... I stayed in Delaware and I had bills to pay because pretty much at that point in 2014, at the end of 2014, yeah, end of 2014, because I remember my grandmother had passed, I'm now had just moved into a whole new apartment where now I'm living by myself. But the best part about it is I'm now by myself, but I'm closer to work. So, like, now I'm in the area where it's, like, I'm away from college. So, I'm, I'm letting that college life go. Like, I'm pretty much branching out. And now it's, like, an overachiever because, like, all right, now I'm, I'm on my grown woman shit. Like, I'm really going to have to sit here, buckle down because you still got bills to pay and you're trying to get this degree. And it's not going to – you got to go get that degree no matter what because you're tired of being humbled. And I think going through that cycle again is what probably started to lead up to my imposter syndrome. Um, and I didn't finish in a year either. So I felt like a failure. Like, why can't you finish a degree in one year? And it was somebody who had to remind me, like, yo, it's not when you finish as long as you finish. Because some people, like, again, the, the girl Dayana I was with started and flunked out. And I flunked out my first semester. Like, I'm not even going to hold y'all. I had my first F in grad school. Yes, I know. Surprising me and people who know me. They're like, they're probably just sitting here, probably clutching their pearls. Like, oh, Jess, you failed. Yes, my black ass failed. Okay. <laughs> I failed my first semester, of course, in quantitative analysis. I hate it. That's an Achilles heel along with economics. Don't ask me why. We just, we've not, we've always had a, a, a hate, hate relationship, even in undergrad. I literally always used to pass by the skin of my teeth. I don't know why. It's probably the mixture of the statistics with the, I don't know. It's just not something that works for me. Um, <laughs> so I flunked out. My professor wasn't trying to give me no type of leeway. And I was just like, maybe grad school's not for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? And maybe that's the perfection and, you know, perfectionist in me. That's just like, you know what? I always get things right the first time. I've never had to repeat something. And that's another thing, a part of imposter syndrome. Like you fail once you think it's the end of the world. And you feel like you're like, yo, I'm faking this. Like I'm trying to do something that's not meant for me. The whole time it's meant for you. Like baby girl, you got a bachelor's. Clearly, accounting's meant for you and you finished in four years where people have been taking five or six. Why are you discrediting yourself? And I think that's also, that's that's a part of imposter syndrome. Like, I think that's when it started was like right there at that freaking moment when I failed. And I'm like, yo, you're a failure as a whole because I've never failed at anything. And because I've never failed at anything, that's probably what I needed to really get myself into gear and realize like, yo, you're really downplaying yourself and what you've accomplished. You have a degree in, in accounting, a bachelor's, a BS in science. And probably that's why I feel like I BS my whole four years. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not adequate to be able to really do this. And the whole time, now that I look at it now, we'll get to the future. We'll fast forward soon, but I was actually qualified. So, um, Back to grad school, I took three years. Um, it took me three years to do a one-year program because, again, livelihood don't stop. Bills, bills don't stop. Got to get paid. And I still had to work. And at this time, I had transferred to another job, which is M&T, as a, you know, pretty much I felt like a grunt worker. Um, I did statement rendering, which is not a problem. You know what I'm saying? I worked from there from, like, 2015 yeah, 2016 to like 2018, which is as as of recently before I came down here to Charlotte. And I just felt like, yo, <coughs> excuse me, y'all. This is not for me. 
Like, this ain't it. Like, sis, you gotta, you got your degree, but you feel like you need more, but you don't deserve more because you don't have the experience. And everybody's like, out here that I was applying for, I just felt trapped in Delaware. I'm just like, yo, you're really a failure. You're still in Delaware. You graduated freaking, what, six years ago. You still not getting paid your worth. You still not getting paid. And you got a whole master's degree now. So this was your real goal to be able to be like, yo, I'm going to make it like this. And then now look at your behind. Your ass still ain't getting paid something because I think I was only getting paid like 45000 a year at that point. So the salary bump was not that crazy. Okay, I was getting paid what I was getting paid at JP Morgan, which is 45000 And there was no possible increase. Like, I'm getting penny raises every year, but I'm busting my ass. Like, what? Coming in on days, the first five business days, 7 a.m. and leaving at pretty, pretty much freaking 7 p.m. And all you got to show for it is a dollar a year, an increase in my raise? Are you shitting me? Like, no. What? I'm Jessica. Do you not know who I am? Like, that's really how I felt. I felt entitled. And I think, again, I felt like a failure. Oh, you don't deserve this. Blah, blah, blah. Like, 45000 This is all you're worth. Like, people getting paid more than you. Like, I'm psyching myself out to believe, like, I don't have the capabilities or the knowledge or efforts to accomplish what clearly has shown that I'm able to go ahead and execute. So... Get that degree. Now what, Jessica? What are we going to do? Imposter syndrome sets in again. I get sent down to Charlotte. Now, everybody who knows me, leaving Delaware was not hard because I felt like I had grown outgrown Delaware. And I think that's another thing, too. Like, sometimes we get so comfortable in where we, we're at that we just feel like we'll try to exhaust. Like, I literally try to exhaust options to, like, find places to live and get jobs, like, or, you know, move to excuse me, find places that have jobs that have increased. I was able to match my actual qualities. And I was like, yo, I am not going to find it here. Like I got to go. Like Delaware is crowding me at that point. I'm not going to hold y'all either. I have been through some relationship woes, child. Okay. Like at that point, I think outside of me leaving Dover, I had literally had I want to say two more relationships after that that were an epic fail. And I don't want y'all to think I'm saying an epic fail like that for to say like, oh, it was my partners that were just like trash. I mean, one of them was really trash, though, as a person. Um, the other one, I just feel like it was timing with one of the exes that just wasn't it. And yeah, that's how that unfolded. But I played my my, my contributions, too, because I, I am not going to hold y'all. I am a person, again... Virgos are the type where we're we're achievers. We say something, we're going to do it. We're going to get it done. So being in a relationship with me, I'm going to push you to the best of your ability because I know what you're capable of. So if you're just sitting on something and you're bullshitting and I know that you're bullshitting, yeah, I'm going to be that pushy, that pushy partner. And sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. I'm not going to hold y'all. And I think that's really what it came down to. Um, and I had that realization even this year, like sometimes I just got to just let things be. And that's a part of the imposter syndrome too. Like you just can't let things be. There's a struggle with perfectionism where there's no such thing as perfection. Um, and you just feel like even sometimes with relationships, like, (coughs) excuse me, there's a pressure you're constantly putting on yourself and you're like, yo, why am I like this? And you can't find the answer. But you made yourself like this. You created yourself to be this whole 
whatever you deemed yourself to be as the perfectionist or and I and I would laugh and joke about it, but in reality, like I really had this surround anxiety. Like I feel like I was forming anxiety because I was just feeling like I'm trapped. I'm in Delaware. And I'm not gonna hold y'all. Panic attacks, I still have them to this day. Like literally just had one last week, which are not fun. If you've ever had one, this shit feels like you're you literally can't breathe and like the world is still going on, but it just won't stop. Like it's just it's a weird feeling. I can't even describe it. But that's also part of the imposter syndrome where it's just kind of like it it creates a lot of anxiety surrounding what you feel like you're inadequate. And I felt like too with those failed relationships, given it wasn't fully just 100% me and I was still going in grad school, I'm just like is it me? Am I the failure? Am I the one that's just not, you know what I'm saying? Am I the one that's not doing my job as a partner? Am I the one that's not contributing what my, my partner really needs? Am I the one? And it's just like, okay, slow down. Wait a minute. It's not just you. Like what if, and this took me years to realize, um, sometimes it's not you. It's what the person's going on and you put it onto yourself because it's a selfish moment. If you haven't stepped out of sight of self and been like, yo, just chill, just chill. And you feel like you don't deserve to have that person in your life. Like, that's always been an issue with me. Not even just in my professional, but in my personal life. Like, I feel like sometimes I'm inadequate of deserving what the person I have or the partner. And it's like, yo, you're too good to be true. Like, my ex-fiance to me was too good to be true. And I just, I feel like I self-sabotage that. And that happens too with imposter syndrome. You can literally be self-sabotaging something that really is meant for you and you're the one that blocked your blessing whole time because you're overanalyzing, you're overthinking and you just feel like it's not something you deserve and you're constantly scrutinizing yourself with every little detail. And it's like, just chill, just chill. And I feel like right now, that's that's where what happened with my current situation of dating um, and the dating situation I was in. I just couldn't let things be and my anxiety took over because it was just like, it's too good to be true. And I feel like I self-sabotaged a bit. Now, don't get me wrong. The person I was dating played their part as well. Okay. Um, But it's just like, damn, what the hell? Like, how did I even get here? And that's the question you constantly ask with imposter syndrome. Like, how did I get here? How was I able to get this far knowing I ain't do much. You know what I'm saying? And that was what my mindset was. And not saying that's a healthy mindset, but it was toxic. And it was spewing into my personal relationship, given that it was just strictly professional, if that makes any type of sense. Um, and and we all know perfection is unachievable. You know what I'm saying? It's like a secret, secret deep insecurity that you put a facade um, that you think like people are like, yo, you know, you're just faking it. Like people, do you, do you think you're gonna get exposed? And it's like, you know, you're not faking it. You just feel like... What the hell? Am I even able to, am I just a subpar person or am I ever going to be able to get there? You know what I'm saying? It's just a constant self-doubt and I have high standards. And I think sometimes my standards, I put high standards on myself, which allow, which forces me to put high standards on my partner. And I think that literally after last week made me realize I... And it's crazy because I'm going to be real with y'all. Like, because it's Just Be Real podcast. I literally now saying this out loud. I be telling y'all, this is my therapy too sometimes. Saying this out loud made me realize that in my last dating situation, I was putting way too much pressure on the person I was pursuing. Way too much pressure. I was putting such a standard on them knowing what was on their plate just because I felt I was inadequate to really be with them. 
Yo, that's some shit to really sit here and think and say out loud. Yo, I'm telling y'all, like, really, I'm being so honest. Like, subconsciously, I had anxiety to feel like I don't compare to fit the mold of what, what, what she needed. I felt like I was never going to get there. Yo, I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I'm, and it might, I might sound like where it's just like, yo, why is she pausing? But like, I'm really like saying this shit out loud and it's really like got my head in some what the fuck. Like, I was putting so much pressure on her, given she had her own pressures going on. But I was putting so much pressure on her, not realizing it was just me pushing my own anxiety onto her of me not feeling adequate and being able to measure up to what she needed. And because I had high standards trying to force her to be what I wanted, knowing that we're two different individuals because I do the pressure on myself. Damn. Damn. And I know I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that's been through that. I'm just saying. It's a comparison. Like, And you know what happened? It fell into disappointment. I put myself in a situation where I got disappointed in that dating situation only because of what I wanted to put on it. Damn. Imposter syndrome is real, y'all. Like, if y'all, if this is some of this is like relating to y'all, like really just take a step back outside yourself. And like, after listening to this episode, really just think about like, yo, where have I implemented imposter syndrome in my life to really self-doubt myself and like force that onto somebody else, my own anxieties and insecurities, just because I want perfectionism. And I think because I wanted us to be like that perfect family dynamic thing. Wow. This real, y'all. Yeah. And I'm and I'm going to go more into that on my next episode, too, with that. But it's just like. I couldn't just let things be. And that's what the person told me. They was like, yo, you don't know how to just let things be. Like, you don't, you you push too much. You don't know how to let things be. And that's one thing I will say that I did learn from the person is I can be pushy. And sometimes it's like I said, it's not a good thing. But I feel like I'm being pushy because I feel like I have to equate to me being able to feel deserving of what she was trying to do. And I'm like, damn, like you got a lot. And I'm trying to sit here and make myself feel like I'm worthy of your time. And whole time I was already enough. I was already enough. And this person literally helped me through a a, a time like right now. Okay. I've been in banking or in accounting for like eight years now. And I, I was literally getting tired of getting paid less than and not really putting my foot in my field. So this person literally um, was one of the main people who was just like, yo, this is what you deserve. Like you're going to get this job. Like it's big boss moves. Like, this is pretty much what you've worked all these years for. And they were with me. This is They were with me through the time when I was going to get my master's. So they know the struggle I was going through because they were experiencing it as my partner at the time. Like, So to watch, to have them come back full circle and be able to be there as a support system to go into this new transition of the job I'm in now, 
it was imposter syndrome. And I'm telling her, like, yo, what if I don't deserve this? Like, I'm nervous as hell. Like, I'm anxious. And she's like, for what? Like, you got this. Like, if the job wasn't meant for you, you wouldn't have the job. Like, they know what they have. Like, you deserve every part of this because you worked for this. And that's imposter syndrome. I feel like I'm being a fraud. Like, how did I get here? But I feel like I skipped some steps. Like, but you have the master's degree. You have the experience. You have the years behind you. You were literally just at a public accounting firm, girl. Like, what do you mean you don't deserve this? So it took her realizing like that where she went through this transition with me to get to this job where, I, where I'm at right now in my position, where she's like, you are now where you belong and you work to get there. This is at that moment where I realized, girl, you have imposter syndrome. And I think as black women, we develop it a lot because it's like 70% of women go through imposter syndrome more than men. Um, just because, um, it is what it is. It's like 70% of adults in general. Um, and about 25 to 30% of the high achievers suffer from imposter syndrome. So if you're like me and you're always used to being a high achiever, that's me. Um, nonetheless, if you're an overachiever because you've always done what you've done, not for yourself, but before the approval of your parents, it makes it worse because that's a narcissistic trait, which is where we're going to get into next episode, nuances versus narcissism. So guys, prepare for that one. It's going to be juicy. Um, but you sit here and you realize, like, it's never enough. <laughs> it's never enough. Um, especially when you have, like, I've had a string of failures. Like, to me, I feel like to get to where I was, it was a, a string of failures. And I feel like the relationships I had prior, which coincides with this whole job thing, was a string of failures. And because I was dating this person again for the second round, instead of just letting it be, and the, the prior time we dated was a failure, it ended up being a failure again <laughs> because, and I'm not saying it's fully just on me, guys. I didn't let things be. And I think for both of us, relationships prior to each other and whatever we had dealings after each other with whoever we dealt with didn't turn out to be 100% A1. So we put pressures on each other. And I feel both had imposter syndrome. Like, I'm faking like I deserve to be loved. Um, I feel like for her, it was more so... I've been through this and I've been through these trenches and I went through this with you already prior. And then I went through this with whoever after you that I felt like for her, it was more so of, I don't deserve to have the love and attention you're giving me, even though that's not probably what, and I'm not saying guys, I'm not speaking for her in particular, but this is just a mindset I'm thinking. I don't probably deserve all you're giving me. I don't probably deserve the time, attention, the love, the effort. I don't probably deserve you giving me adequate of my love language, speaking there, speaking my love language and doing it effortlessly without me having to question and ask you to do it. You know what I'm saying? Because when you've been in situations where there's been a constant failure, when you finally get it right, it's like, well, why the hell do I deserve this now? Because you're just so used to the struggle. You know what I'm saying? And you got to get your mind out that mindset because you are deserving of it. And I feel for me, it was kind of like, okay, we failed the first time. So... No matter, but a matter of time, we're going to fail again because, listen, I don't feel I deserve you. And because you have a lot more to offer now and there's a lot more on the table, you have a higher risk than I do in this situation. So maybe I don't deserve to sit here and give that effort and that energy because I don't feel like 
I'm where I'm perfect enough for you. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's crazy how everything really coincides and comes into one. Um, it's not nothing that's clinical. It's not nothing that is, you know, a real definition. Um, but it's a fear of success. That's really what imposter syndrome is. It's a fear of success. It's a fear that you're actually going to do something right because so much has gone wrong and you kind of dismiss what you've done to get there and how you paid your dues. Um, I feel like with her, when it came to that dating situation, she's paid her dues. She was right where she needed to be at the time she needed to be. And I think that sometimes we forget we're right where we need to be, where we need to be there for us to have a better understanding and appreciation for when we actually get to where we're, where we want to go. And I think that after my, after my good witch sending that to me yesterday, and after really saying this out loud with y'all, my fam bam, imposter syndrome has overtaken me to discredit myself for a lot that I've done that I literally had to sit back yesterday after I hung out with one of my sorors and realized like, yo, you're the shit girl. Whatever you got, you earned. You paid your dues. You're not out here frauding. You're not out here faking. You made it because you put in the work to make it. The dating situation didn't go as expected. It was a failure. But I will say it taught me some lessons. And I think the imposter syndrome is something that was a lesson into that that I didn't want to acknowledge. Because, again, I thought I was faking it. Like I thought I was faking something where I didn't deserve that success in that relationship for it to progress into a relationship the second time. So that's real. So if y'all out here with imposter syndrome, I'ma just bring this full circle. Black women, we're normally deemed to be at the bottom of the totem pole. We're always deemed to be able to be less than an inadequate because that's what society puts on us. But in reality, everything we got, we earned. Every, whatever positions we're in, i.e. VP elect, you know, Kamala Harris, we earn that. We earn that. Um, we earn the right to be able to sit in our accolades, sit in our truths to know that we deserve everything we got. So if you're out there with imposter syndrome, you might need like me, a good witch or just a reminder, or maybe the universe giving you signs <laughs> like it did all week from Twitter to my good witch, to real life having an adventure yesterday with my sore to really just live out loud and celebrate my success. To just sit you down and say, nah, sis, you got it. So for all my sisters out there listening, all my brothers out there, because it's more susceptible to women than it is men, but you know, it's possible for men too. All my brothers out there, enjoy the moment. Enjoy where you're at and know that you deserve to be there. So an imposter who? Yeah, that's right. So that's how I'm going to end it off with y'all. We will kick into nuance versus narcissism. That's a real big one I want to talk about. Um, but you're not an imposter. You're not. So like I always say on air, let's keep it real. And as I always say, be real, be true, and always be unapologetically you. I'm going to catch y'all on the next time and continue to wash your hands. Yeah, I know I say it a lot on here, but I got to remind y'all. <laughs> All right, y'all. Love y'all much. Peace and love.